Welcome to the Total Car Score Podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Well, here we are at the end of January 2021. Can you believe it, Carl, Lauren? How are you guys? <laughs> Good. No, I, I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, here we are already. It's quick. Quick, yeah, it doesn't look very good or it looks good. I don't know. What do you think, Carl? Well, it looks like uh, we're supposed to be moving in the right direction. We have certain things happening, like certain governors of certain states suddenly deciding that everything should start opening back up again, um, even though some of the numbers don't seem to be really that different. So I don't know. Maybe there's more than just the thoughts of the coronavirus that are driving these things, but whatever. Uh, I'm glad to see things are moving back toward uh, more freedom and less uh, restriction. But um, I think more interesting uh, that we're seeing are some of the EV activity. I mean, I think all three of us are just watching this massive wave, you know, of of EV information and EV excitement and EV activity. Uh, President Biden recently said that uh, he wants to replace 600,000 plus uh, um, federal vehicles vehicles. with with evs and uh you know that's kind of interesting because i i i think you could say that if you're an automaker producing traditional internal combustion engines and you're thinking or trying to start producing evs which is probably most of them you hate the idea that you're going to put the kind of money and research into what what it takes to come up with one or more evs and all you need is a price of gas to drop for instance and then in the past, at least, that's killed off a lot of hybrid and EV interest. But when you have a government that says, we'll take 600000 and all of a sudden you've got potentially some guaranteed contracts you might be able to form with those uh, with the government, that would give you a lot more confidence as an automaker. It's like, okay, now we're going to go pretty hard on some of these EV models, because even if not a single consumer buys them, we're still going to make this much money off of it. And we're going to sell this many. That's that's yeah. that's an interesting possible. And uh, GM last week had that news that they signed a big uh, contract with FedEx, right? Uh, uh, to to provide I don't remember the exact number, but it's a big big number to provide more EVs. So anyway, um, they have to be American that... made. That's that's the government regulations. They want it to be American made. So not that many American made SUVs. I mean, we got Ford, GM, and Stellantis, which still sounds like a medical issue. Yeah. <laughs> or, <laughs> or a drug. Um, But it's interesting if you look at the whole thing and you realize that's a lot of vehicles. Who's going to pay for it? How are we going to fund it? And does the grid support it? I mean, there's just so many factors involved that it's so easy to say whatever you want, but but what is reality? Well, reality for Tesla, at least this week, there were some uh, good numbers, Carl, I guess we can say, because they, they reached finally one year of profit, right? Yeah. I mean, you can quibble with, you know, did they hit their this number that they were supposed to or that number? But the bottom line is they were profitable four quarters in a row now. That that, that equals a year in case uh, you're trying to do the math like I am. And a year of profitability is uh, unprecedented for them. Um, and they are ramping production and sales. They're going up sales, production of vehicles and sales of vehicles are also ramping every quarter. So uh, that was going on. Remember, this is at the end of 2020. This is the last quarter of 2020 and the full year of 2020. This is a pre-Biden administration. This is a pre-order by, of electric cars to replace 600,000 federal cars. Uh, you know, there's there's going to be only more encouragement for EVs in the next four years, both in the U.S. and in China, the two biggest markets, than there have been in the last four years. So I think 
If you're wondering why Tesla stock is doing what Tesla stock is doing, even before the fourth quarter numbers we just got, that is why. You know, it's funny when you look at the numbers, though, and and I know, Carl, you're aware of all these numbers like we are. uh, They reported a a gap profit, in other words, a, a generally accepted accounting principles, profit of $270 million. But of that, this is interesting, government subsidies were $401 million, which results in a loss of $131 million. So without those government subsidies, he's got nothing. And that includes cash. I mean, what he's gotten in the bank and what he's invested, that's really not worth the stock price you're looking at. I have to say that Elon Musk is really good at working the system. Yeah, I guess, uh, and I, I've said this for a long time, that that company really rides on him, on like his vision, his persona, his message, all he's doing besides car also, like uh, SpaceX and all those kind of things. And uh, if he weren't there, I mean, the company probably wouldn't be that valuable. I think investors and, and people in government and all, all, all the, the people who help him get to those numbers, uh, really like him. And that's that's one of the reasons, right, Carl? Absolutely. No, he, you know, people have been comparing Tesla to Apple for a long time. Um, I've never particularly liked that um, comparison because in a lot of ways, they're the antithesis of each other, right? You know, I always, I always used to joke and say, yeah, they're just the same, right? They always deliver on time and their pro- profits or their products are always super profitable and they're really well built. They're just, oh, wait, no, that's not really how, no. <laughs> you know, that's how Apple is. But the most important way that those two companies should want to be the same in terms of stock value and all that is a hugely visible dynamic personality leading them and a, some might say almost scary level of disciplism going on for the fans of the company. Well, in those ways, those two companies are alike. And those are probably the two most desirable ways to be like Apple, because those are the ways that drive your stock way up and, uh, you know, make, make them make the market and, you know, both stock market and the general consumer market pay more attention to you. Yeah. So Lauren, I know you're not a fan or either the, the brand and the new government initiatives uh, towards the automotive industry, especially with the well, new there's a reason. transportation. It's going to cost the average person a lot more in electricity. Supply and demand. Higher demand. The grid can't support it. Hasn't been updated since the 1940s when they first put in a lot of those grids. You're going to tell me that that grid's going to be able to support all the electric vehicles they're talking about? Well, that means they're going to have to build stations. They're going to build charging stations. They have to build a lot of things. And you can't survive off of solar and wind someone's going to pay for it and it's going to be you and i and everybody out there they're going to be charging by the mile taxes for those people that have evs believe me they'll get your mileage everything's connected to something and in addition to that you're going to have to pay your registration fees are going to go up and your electrical fee so for those of us that continue owning gasoline powered vehicles or diesel our rates are going to go up as well so there's no winner in this we're all going to be losers together and also right now, the price of gasoline is going up. I mean, uh, it's been up like, what, like 20, 30 cents a gallon in the past uh, few weeks, right? I, I can't believe it. I went and filled up uh, Sunday and I, <laughs> I hadn't put gas in my Dodge Demon since uh, um, August, I realized, when I looked at the fuel log. Of course, I do always put a fuel stabilizer in my cars because I know this is what happens to them. So, But I hadn't put gas in that car since August. And uh I was filling it up and I was probably about halfway through the tank before I even glanced at the price because I hadn't, hadn't even thought of that because I had to get gas either way. So it really doesn't matter what the price is. But when I did look at the price out here in highly taxed California for premium, it was uh, 387 a gallon. And I'm Ooh, like, already? 
we're approaching wow. four dollars a gallon. That's super year. high. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. I'm in New York and we're not that expensive, but I have noticed it going up pretty much daily. And yeah. everyone goes, well, why they haven't stuck the pipeline? You have to remember they price the gasoline at the pump where you fill up based on what it's going to cost them to replace that, not based on what they paid for it. So they go, if I lose 100 gallons of gas, I sell it. I need to replace it. It's going to cost me more. So you're going to pay for it up front. So well, that's why but, the numbers are going up. But they also do the flip side, Lauren. When the when something happens to make the price go down, and that do they, do they always go, <laughs> hey, look, the replacement no. gas no. will be much cheaper. I'll just lower the price <laughs> no. now. No, of course they don't do it. No, it's why like would the, they do that? <laughs> like the feather-led uh, formula, right? Like when they go uh i mean uh, the opposite when, when they go up they go really fast up and when they go down they go really really slow <laughs> yeah you got that right that is so, so true and i think that's well, the way it's always been so apparently there's no winners there here i mean like if you have an, a gas car i mean a internal combustion car you're paying more now if you think you know buying an electric one you're gonna pay more later so <laughs> What's the solution? Um, well, there is re there really is to have choices so that people can decide what they want and not be have it jammed down their throat. That's I think the real only answer. No, you just take public transport. No, wait, we're not allowed to do that. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> no one's doing that. That's why people are buying cars and used car values are through the roof. Because people are like, oh, I'm not getting out on a bus or a train or a plane. I mean, you look how people are freaking out over it already. Yeah, uh, bicycles, running, walking, yeah. skateboards, something say. like that. Well, another part of uh, another part of the pressing news, I guess, in a way, is that this weekend is the uh, Rolex 24 at Daytona. And last year, I had the uh, incredible opportunity to be there with Acura. In the next segment, we're going to talk to Johnny Keda about that, about the new MDX. And uh, in the third segment, we're going to talk to another person who probably would have been there also, if not if it weren't for COVID, Nathan Hoyt from Aston Martin. So, I mean, are you guys missing that too? Yes, I'm yeah. missing racing a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, and I've gone. I didn't go last year, but I've been to Daytona with Acura before, uh, Javier, and it's a lot of fun. So look up for our reviews on the new MDX uh, 2022 model, right? And candidate maybe already for the SUV of the year, which we're going to be voting later this year, right? Yeah, no, yep. it'll be it'll be I, in there. Got a good chance. Yeah, we'll be we'll be certainly driving it and considering it. And uh, my uh, experience so far driving it, um, I think it'll be very much uh, in competition for that title. Well, it won in two thousand one with the first generation. So let's see if we can repeat in the fourth generation. So we'll be back with that. Welcome back to the second segment of today's show. And as we were saying before, we have Johnny Kenna from Acura. And uh, please, uh, Lauren and Carl, allow me to start talking uh, to John because, John, it's been one year since I saw you the last time, I think. And we were in Daytona for the 24, um, the, the Rolex 24. And this year, nobody's there. None of us, at least. Acura is there, but we're not we. Yeah, it's it's uh it's been absolutely a, a challenging year for everybody in the business. Um, uh, you know, I miss seeing everybody. Uh, Carl, Lauren, you know, Javier, we see each other throughout the year and on uh, different events and whatnot. But uh, yeah, we're there racing. I just got a text this morning from uh, 
Elio Castroneves asking me when I'm going to show up. But uh, with COVID and the regulations we have out here in California and everything, yeah, it just doesn't uh, work out. So we won't be going there personally. But uh, I do miss you guys. Yeah. Can you give us a quick update on the, the team and what's going to happen this weekend? Yeah, I mean, uh, we have two brand new teams that we, you know, we're working with. Uh, you know, Team Penske had done so much for us the past two years. Uh, can't say enough about Team Penske. Um, you know, winning IMSA two years in a row, champs, you know, back to back with two different categories with the NSX with Meyer Shank Racing, which we're continuing to do. And, you know, saying goodbye to Roger and his team, but what they've done to set us up for, uh, uh, you know, what they've done for Acura and racing and motorsports has just been phenomenal. Uh, but we are partnering with uh, Wayne Taylor Racing this year. And uh, Wayne and his team, they have an incredible record of winning big, big races. And uh, we're, we're really happy to be on board with that. Also, uh, even though we have two new teams to be doing the DPI program with, we were able to uh, keep all of our drivers together to keep some semblance of consistency. So uh, we, I've talked to Wayne, I've talked with Mike. Um, everything's new except for the drivers. The drivers that we have driving our cars at the race this weekend know the car very well. And so uh, we'll see what we could do. Well, good luck uh, on, uh, over the weekend. Uh, Lauren? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. It's a lot of things that Acura is doing. I know that you're about racing, John. I know that's your favorite thing to do. <laughs> you too, Lauren. I know you like yeah. racing too. Yeah, I do. I sold my race car this year, which is kind of sad because I haven't had a chance to be on the track, but hopefully we have a couple new vehicles in, in our eyes. But I'm really excited about the new MDX, and I just got it in the driveway and looking forward to posting the review. But my first initial impression when I opened the door was, wow, right out of the box. So you really have done a really nice job. Uh, with some of the improvements. Do you want to give us some highlights on the vehicle? Yeah, the MDX is, uh, you know, it's the fourth generation. Uh, it is the best-selling three-row SUV on the market, premium SUV in the market. Uh, we've sold over a million of these things over the years. And uh, I could tell you, I talked with uh, the lead engineer. Uh, he's worked on every single MDX, the fourth generation. So, he knows all the learnings of all the previous generations and he's fixed it all into the one that he ran, uh, the program on, which is this current one. And uh, for you, Lauren, you're a performance person too. And, you know, he's the guy that put a stabilizer on the generation one MDX. So, you know, double wishbone suspension, the riding, uh, driving uh, impressions with the vehicle, everything, that's something that he took to heart. But the car... I would say as stunning it is on the outside, you know, you open the door, you step in. It's a whole new level to uh, what we've been doing with MDX in the past. So we're all very excited about it. Um, all the different things that we've done right, we've kept. And all the little things that have been nagging at us over the years, uh, we've we dealt with with this vehicle. So uh, very excited for Acura, very excited for all the dealers, everybody that uh, has the potential to purchase this vehicle. Carl? That's exciting stuff, John. Uh, you know, a lot of us on the on the show right now have been in the car very recently, uh, myself included. And I would agree with your assessment. You know, um, you, you know, you see the car and it's, and it's familiar, which is probably a good thing, given how recognizable that car is and how much of a fan base it's built. You don't really want to deviate too much in one generational uh, redesign. But um, when you open up the inside, 
uh, I'm always a big fan of interesting, creative, uh, you know, engaging interiors. And I love colorful interiors. I always say that I can get a black interior on, you know, the cheapest economy car. They'll, they always come in black. So uh, give me some color inside the car, please. That helps me feel much more like I'm in a premium experience. And I love the range of colors that are in the car. But the other thing that I noticed was the um, real crispness. I would just use that word for things like the gauge cluster, the digital gauge cluster, as well as the central screen. Um, there's some really great informational displays going on in there um, that are good information anyways, but then they're in a very well-presented uh, quality of uh, graphics. And I don't know if maybe you want to talk a little bit about that. that, that yeah, I mean, you know, that's in there. yeah, the, the packaging, you know, packaging is one of our fortes and, and our engineers do really well with seat layouts and whatnot. But, uh, you know, stepping in as a driver, one of the first things you'll, you'll, you'll see that we've gone this approach with, even with the TLX, but, you know, it's first class. So the tandem distance between the driver and the passenger next to you has been, you know, wind up quite a bit. And so you feel like you're stepping up from a, let's say, economy seat uh, 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 airplane to first class. It's that side to side thing is there uh, first and foremost. All the, the materials and things that uh, we we wanted to upgrade on, we've done that with this uh, vehicle. Oh, and, you know, one of the key things that I, I really want everybody to uh, look forward to, if you go and try out uh, or have a ride in the MDX, is the sound system. Uh, I can't say enough about the LS sound system. I heard that you guys like to do your podcast inside your car because it's kind of like a studio. I've, I've heard about that. Uh, yeah, exactly. About that. And uh, it's absolutely true. I mean, uh, the ELS system uh, with Ellis Shiner's Grammy Award, you know, eight-time Grammy Award, he, is, he agrees with you guys completely. Uh, he felt that inside the car is like a studio. It's kind of hermetically sealed, and you can manage all the different sounds and things there. And that's what's the driving concept around the ELS system. And they've done an amazing, amazing job with the sound system uh, in this vehicle with all the speakers, 360, you got speakers in the, in the roof, you know? So, uh, it's, uh, it's really, really cool to try out. And I would suggest everybody do that. Yeah. I, I was just going to say real quick, that's another part of the car that just blew me away. And I am an audiophile. I really appreciate high quality audio systems. Uh, I grew up with two older brothers that were that way. So I was somewhat indoctrinated very early on and, Acura's got a history of producing these incredibly impressive uh, ELS uh, audio systems, but this is the best one I've ever heard yet. And it's got to be in the top, if, if it's not the top one, it's got to be in the top three audio systems I've ever heard in any car at any price uh, yet. I'd have to get them back to back to know which ones, if it, you know, if I could discern which one's the best of the best, but it's it's got to be right there, if not the best one. And really enjoyed listening to it. I was kind of, I always know I'm in a, a good audio system when I get stuck in the car. Like when I got back to the house after my standard driving uh, route and I wanted to really focus on just enjoying the music and I was in there for about an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> listening. That's a big well, statement, Carl. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, um, you know, Elliot used to say, it's like he would go to, he would do all this recording in the studio, mixing music with artists like, you know, Foo Fighters and whatnot. And he would go to friends' homes with high-fidelity systems, but the way the speakers are set up, it just doesn't sound like what he recorded in the studio, right? It's a little different, even though you might have really expensive systems. But inside the car, he felt like you could manage a lot of the qualities there. And so, 
uh, he's been, you know, honing his craft and has been doing that. And uh, yeah, it's, it is a fantastic system. So John, um, the first generation won the SUV of the year. Well, back then truck of the year for North American car and truck of the year and no pressure. I mean, we, you're, we're three judges here, <laughs> but uh, how do you, how do you see the competition? I mean, obviously if you see from uh, this year's winners or semifinalists and finalists, Competition is getting much, much tighter and like tough, especially in the luxury uh, segment, right? So, how do you you see the Acura, the new Acura MDX against the competition? I, I think um, you know we've sold over a million of these things, and it, it speaks to how great it is as a total package. I think um, you know when when people started to see what the MDX was about with the first generation. I mean. Trucks, you know, it was like driving, you know, a truck. And MDX came and said, you don't have to have that kind of uh, uh, stigma. The, 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 you know, you're, you could have a, uh, all the amenities and, and packaging, all the utility that you could get that you need from a truck uh, and enjoy some of the car uh, attributes. And I think we stepped into that world, and I think people recognize that. And a lot of OEMs have come in and realized that we could do great things with this. And, and I think the MDF was in front of uh, all of this. But over the years, uh, we continue to refine. So if you're coming in now, uh, yeah, you, you might have materials and things. You might have more of this or more of that. But we've been building on all of this stuff over the years. So the detailed things that we're looking at, like, you know, you know, cup sizes and, and how do you do this and how do you do that? The details that we're, we're, we're perfecting with the MDX, while others are still trying to figure out how to make the third row bigger, I mean, we've got those things covered, all the big things covered. And so we continue to build on our success. And if you look at it from a, a holistic point of view and look at every single thing that a car like this should be, which is now, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it, this MDX is our flagship. It is the, it's just, it covers all the, all the bases. And, you know, and I can't say about the team, they went and said, okay, we, we need to up the performance too. So we have double wishbone suspension on our, on our MDX now. And so everything is to that next level. So if you thought that the MDX was, there's a reason for it being the best selling, you know, three row luxury SUV out there, it's gone to a whole nother level. So we feel with this car, we push the benchmark up a little bit again, And uh, uh, we feel very, very bullish about this car. I feel good about it. I've been doing cars for a long time. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something that uh, I could definitely stand behind and Acura could stand behind and we're, we're really proud of it. Lauren? I, I, one of the things, I, you know, with a big competitive set like this, having the all-wheel drive, and now you've got a performance edition, which we haven't had a chance to drive yet. Can you tell us about the A-Spec and some of the performance editions that you're coming up with on this vehicle? Yeah, so, yeah, this is another part of the, the story for MDX that, that, that were going on later on in the year. You're going to see the Type S. We're not ready to talk about everything about the Type S yet. But, you know, the, the Type S is going to launch with the TLX first. But we do have a three-liter turbo engine, a uh, brand-new one that's uh, curated for Acura and all the Type Ss that we're working with. Uh, that is going to be put into our... Uh, are MDX, and we've never had something like this. And mating that with 
you know, our SHAWD system, the torque factoring, you guys are very aware of what we do there. Yeah, it's going to take our handling and performance level for the Type S version of DMDX to the next level. Uh, 21-inch rims, if I I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I think we're up to almost like 275 series tires. I mean, I, I laugh at that because I remember in 04 when we came out with the TL that I was working on, I had to fight for 235s, you know, 45 <laughs> inch rims. And now we're talking about 275s or something like that. So, yeah, it's uh, on an SUV, uh, on a three on an SUV, on an SUV, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, the world has changed a little bit, obviously, for everybody. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be worthy of the Acura brand, which is about performance. Carl, well, it's exciting stuff, uh, John. I mean, I feel like you guys just keep shepherding this brand more specifically and kind of more in a more focused way. And I think you're getting that message out more effectively too about what the brand stands for. Like you're saying, uh, that combination of premium and and performance. Uh, reflected in everything from, you know, the look of the cars to the performance of the cars to what you guys are doing like this weekend uh, in Daytona. So um, it just feels like the brand keeps getting, you know, a little more focused and stronger and more specific as to what what it is and who it should appeal to. And I think that's one of the best things a brand can do. That's what a brand has to do. If you're gonna if you're gonna appeal to customers, the customers have to know what you stand for. And I think you guys are doing that better and better. Yeah. It's, um, you know, you all been, all three of you have been on this journey with us uh, for a while now, and it's been piece by piece, but, uh, you know, big pieces are dropping in now. And, uh, you know, we, we painted the picture. Uh, we had the NSX. Uh, we went racing. We brought a spec. But, yeah, the big pieces like TLX, Type S, MDX, and having a Type S for MDX coming later in the year, all of these are big, big pieces to continue to build on uh, what we talked about way back in 2015, that Acura is precision crafted performance, and we are the performance division on Hyundai, and uh, that's what we're putting our hat on, and we're going to continue to push that narrative. Well, John, uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, I know that last year was very tough. This year doesn't seem to be starting that well either, but let's be optimistic and uh, Hopefully we'll uh, soon be in person again. I guess like the, the bingo thing on the on these calls, right? Like who's gonna say the first one that? Oh, let's. Let, I hope they will be. We will be doing this in person soon. But anyway, me so too. The, <laughs> right, everybody. Yeah, everybody absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I look forward to seeing all of you. Um, you know, this fall we got Acre Grand Prix Long Beach. We'll see if if we could get some people to contact you all, and, and maybe we could see you in sunny California. Excellent. That, well, that would great. be fabulous. That'd be great. Yeah, that would be great. Well, thank you very much again. And uh, in the next segment, I'm going to give Lauren and Carl a break uh, because I'm going to talk to someone who would have been in Daytona too, with all of us maybe, but it's not. He's still in California. Welcome back to the last segment of this uh, week's show. And uh, on this segment, we are without Lauren and Carl, who left because I'm now with Nathan Hoyt from Aston Martin. And as I was saying, Aston Martin will be 
at Daytona this weekend. We will not. I don't think that Nathan, you were planning or like you usually go to there, but uh, no, I've, I've never been. I'd love to love to go. It, uh, it's an amazing race. Watched it on TV for many years, but uh, I've never been in person. Yeah, it's an amazing show. I went last year, and uh, it is it's an incredible experience. But obviously, this year it's uh, nothing is an incredible experience except for like staying home and watching TV, doing yeah. uh, Zoom calls and all that. But anyway, let's talk Aston Martin because this week I have the great opportunity to drive the 2021 Vantage Roadster and what an amazing car, especially in that uh, yellow, um, what's called, tank yep. color. Yellow which, tang. Yeah, perfect for Miami, right? Exactly. Everybody's been saying <laughs> that. Every, everywhere I've been going to, like people stop me and say, what is that? Like, because this is one of the latest models besides the DBX, the, the SUV that we will talk about, right? But um, yeah. this, this is one of the latest models from, from Aston Martin. Tell us a little bit about it. I mean, I experienced it and it's great. But uh, Yeah, as you and I chatted a bit uh, offline before uh, before recording here, uh, the, the Roadster is our latest vehicle, technically speaking. We actually announced it um, just about a year ago. I was looking at the press release here just before we got on and um, almost to the day um, about a year ago. And then our whole world got turned upside down in the last year, didn't it? So, um, yeah, it's our latest car to be announced um, along with the, uh, the DBX, our all-new SUV. Uh, but dealers have already started receiving the DBX now for, for a couple of months. So um, I guess technically speaking, um, since the Roadster is just arriving in dealerships right now, um, it is uh, truly, in fact, our, our latest vehicle on the road. Yeah, I've, uh, I've noticed a lot of uh, changes, obviously, in the design, exterior design, yeah. in the interior, and it, the car looks stunning, really. Like They did an incredible job with the, um, with the design of the car. Obviously, the current body style Vantage um, is, is the latest in the you know, 70 years of Vantage history and um, succeeds the previous model, what we call the, the VH platform Vantage. Um, the really interesting thing was uh, this latest generation car was designed from the outset with a with a roadster in mind. So um, sometimes you have to make compromises when you decide to make a roadster yeah. variant of a car. But um, really, from starting with a clean sheet design that was frankly inspired by the Bond films, um, you know, James Bond and Aston Martin are so synonymous with one another, yeah. but. Um, there was the um, the DB10 concept car that made its debut in Spectre um, quite a few years ago, and that really previewed what later became the current generation Vantage. And um, while that design was being fleshed out, they they clearly had in mind uh, design of a roadster. So, yeah, we announced that uh, about a year ago. We had planned to do the uh, the press launch and have. Uh, have guys like you driving the car <laughs> in spring of uh, of last year, March, and uh, you know we're almost what eight months behind that. Um, yeah. So glad glad you could get behind the wheel of the car. Glad we were finally able to get a car into Miami, and you're you're quite lucky because quite a few of your listeners are probably having to contend with snow at the moment. But uh, Miami is enjoying perfect convertible weather. 
Exactly, and people think that usually the the, the convertible weather is in the summer, but it's not because it's yeah. way too hot <laughs> in the summer. So yeah. now when it's like seventy, no humidity, you put that uh, the the top off. Uh, like by the way, in seven seconds, I was impressed by that. Like it's amazing. Like yeah, how it's actually the it actually the fastest uh, folding and unfolding convertible roof um, in the market right now. Yeah. Interestingly enough, but and it's uh, funny. Uh, it's funny you talk about convertible weather. Uh, I born and raised here in Southern California, and for me, every day is convertible weather. Yeah, I, wow. Years <laughs> and years ago, I had a um, MR2 Spider, uh, oh, wow. convertible MR2, and people would look at me crazy driving down the freeway, and it was raining. I still had the top down because uh, you know you go a certain speed, and the rain just comes up over the. The windshield and over the roof and you're you're um nicely protected from the yeah, rain the problem but, is when you stop <laughs> yeah the problem is when you stop or as you said you know in summer um sometimes it gets just too hot to be driving a convertible too and in miami you have heat and humidity so yeah, yeah i think the winter is the perfect time um and i'm looking out my window right now it's a clear blue day in southern california it would be a good roadster day here as well absolutely like most of the days are there so one one thing that uh, caught my attention also in that car is that since you said it was designed from the from the beginning as a convertible it has pretty decent trunk space like most convertibles yeah. uh especially in that in that luxury segment they're like tiny tiny trunks and barely you can put anything this is very very spacious for this kind of car Yeah, it really is. And, you know, it benefits while some of our other um, competitors within the segment have uh, rear or mid-mounted engines by having a more traditional um, front engine rear wheel drive setup. It does allow us to still have a really decent size um, trunk to store stuff in. So it's a no compromises car. I don't know that you'd want to go on a two week long road trip wow. in the vehicle. You certainly could. But um, it's perfect for um, two people and their luggage for, for a couple days or throwing a set of golf clubs in the back or groceries or, you know, what have you. Yeah, amazing. So let's go back to the front because you mentioned the engines. Are the engines in this car still provided by Mercedes? And tell us yes. about uh, the, 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 the partnership or the extension of the partnership with Mercedes that was announced like late last year, right? Yeah, well, we've had a, a long-standing partnership with, with Mercedes-Benz and certainly with the Vantage as well, um, using a AMG-derived twin-turbo 4-liter V8. Um, we do a, a few things to the engine to make it kind of our own, um, from ECU timing to even the firing order of the cylinders, um, how the car, or I'm sorry, how the engine is mounted to the chassis, Um, exhaust, stuff like that. So it is characteristically an Aston Martin engine, Aston Martin sounding engine. Um, but we do benefit from a great technology exchange with Mercedes-Benz as a partner. And as you alluded to, um, we announced, I guess it was back in, in October of last year, um, a, a strategic partnership where Mercedes will actually increase Um, their investment stake in Aston Martin. Um, so it'll eventually go up to about 20% ownership of Aston Martin um, in exchange for continued um, use of their intellectual property um, when it comes to things like, you know, powertrain architecture, 
um, as we look to hybridize and electrify our lineup, um, but also just the uh, electric architecture itself. So things like infotainment and whatnot are also Mercedes-Benz derived, which, you know, having a great partner like them means it's one less thing we have to worry about and have to develop um, in-house. Yeah. And on top of that, Tobias Morse, who used to be the CEO for AMG division at uh, Mercedes, it's now the CEO of Aston Martin. So I guess yep. maybe not completely related, but it's a, another great advantage, not right? Yeah, actually totally unrelated, um, but a very convenient and, um, and, and kismet uh, type of uh, happenstance, I guess it is the best way to to put it. Uh, Tobias has a, has a great history with AMG, very, very well respected within the industry. And he's been with us now for um, just about uh, five and a half months. Um, I think it'll be six months started next month if I'm, if I'm doing my math correctly. So he's still getting his feet wet, um, but really some exciting things on the horizon um, that have come out of his, uh, his leadership just thus far in six months. Yeah, I've been uh, with, uh, in, with him uh, in some programs for uh, AMG. And, like, really a great guy, very knowledgeable. Yeah. Very, very, I mean, like, obviously he loves cars. So I think he's it's a like car a great... guy CEO. Yeah. Absolutely. He's, yeah. He's, he's an he's... engineer at heart, and he would rather be talking about um, torque curves than um, sales charts. I can assure you that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But both are important, obviously, in the yeah. business. But... Speaking of that, like just give us a quick, quick um, uh, update, I guess. Like DBX, is, you said it's just uh, been a, a few months in the dealerships. How is that doing? I mean, like the car, uh, the SUV like, look amazing. I think the first time we saw it was probably at Amelia like a year and a half ago or something like that. Yeah, you would have seen a, um, a very prototype. early, early or not even a prototype. It was a, um, believe it or not, it was actually three, the majority of it was 3D printed. Oh, yeah. So right. this, a step above a clay model and being a bit more um, robust for transport purposes. Um, but you you probably saw a quite early version of it. We also showed it in um, in Pebble Beach as well, and uh, and boy, by the end of our tour with that that car, just because it was 3D printed, it was it's a little worse <laughs> for wear. I'm thankful to say that the the production cars are quite a bit better quality and better of fit course. and finish. But um, yeah, the uh, the first cars started delivery. I think it was like the last week of November, but really December was our first full month of sales for that car. Um, really, really incredible response thus far from all our dealers um, here in the States and um, incredible response from the journalists that have gotten a chance to drive it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you've had a chance to get behind the wheel of the car yet, have you? No, I didn't. Uh, we saw it in Austin during the yep. Formula One race uh, in November 2019. That would have been, I guess. Yep. But yeah, we'll we'll wait for that. And actually, I have some uh, a friend of mine here in Miami is already looking into one. I mean, yep. uh, he's uh, he's uh, very excited to 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 get it. Um, uh, finally, we mentioned Formula One. Also, news uh, on that side for Aston Martin, right? Like you have a yeah, new amazing new news driver. for us. So we've been involved with Formula One, um, obviously with um, Aston Martin Red Bull Racing here for the last few years. Um, but for the first time ever, um, well, not for the first time ever, but for the first time in 60 years, 
we'll have our own um, works Formula One team. So uh, it's Aston Martin Cognizant Formula One. Um, Cognizant's just joined on as a title partner for us here. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, we announced that um, they're a, a software supplier, quite a large software supplier here in the US, um, but really, really excited. Um, the team's owned by Lawrence Stroll, who also has a significant ownership stake in Aston Martin itself. And um, we have Lance Stroll as, uh, as one of our, our drivers. And then um, Sebastian Vettel has joined us. Um, he's left Ferrari and is joining Aston Martin. And based on the, the um, success that we've had last year um, with the team, um, with, with racing when it was Racing Point, I think there's considerably high hopes for the uh, the series this year, and um, definitely be fighting for some points. Well, uh, yeah, and, not uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean they they did it last year, so I mean yeah. there's no reason not, <laughs> not to do it. Yeah. So anyway, it looks like 2021 is going to be better in in all fronts. So it has to be right. <laughs> From your mouth so. to God's ears, let me tell you. still quite a bit of uncertainty especially when it comes to formula one and when the first race will be and we're all excited about that but um you know excited to get back to some sense of normalcy as uh vaccines roll out and whatnot yeah yeah at some point we will get there and hopefully we'll uh we've been saying this now for a while now like Hopefully the next time will be in person, but <laughs> we'll say it again. <laughs> yeah, I used to complain about how much I was on an airplane and how much traveling I did. And then now I'm complaining about how much I'm at home and not traveling. So I get, it'll be a nice to find a happy medium somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much for your time and the update and the opportunity to drive the Vantage Roaster here in Miami. Yeah. And, um, and um, share the podcast with all your friends. And um, yeah. we'll be back. Uh, next week uh, with another episode and Carl and Lauren will be back with us. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at totalcarscore.com.